Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and me, Kevin Hillier. It's just not cricket. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's cricket. It's tennis. Uh, what else we got going on this time of the year? Uh, pre-season for the footy and stuff, but uh, it's a... Bit of a netball series coming up, the quad series. Yes, uh, lots of basketball <laughs> at the moment. See, I know my stuff. Uh, and uh, can I can I bring something up at the start? Please do. Um, really interesting uh, standing, and you know how when you're waiting for a takeaway food, sometimes you kind of, you read the board. <laughs> um, and I was reading the board at the local pizza place the other day, and I'd never noticed this on any other... Uh, menu board ever that I've ever seen or a menu that I've been given in a restaurant or whatever. Mm. Uh, they do burgers, pizzas uh, and uh, Italian uh, pasta mm. dishes. Uh, and on the bottom it had uh, it had all the different little disclaimers. GF means yes. gluten-free, this means this, this yep. means that. Vegan. Mm. And then in, in rather small writing but, you know, about the same as, as the rest of it, it said, deep frying is not gluten-free. <laughs> to point that out. I just thought if you're going there and you're going to get something that's deep fried, surely you don't go, oh, can I have the gluten-free deep fried chips? See, I look at different things when I check <laughs> oh, menu boards. I look, I, for, I look for stray or superfluous apostrophes, as you know. Oh, you're the grammar police when you look at the bunch <laughs> Yeah, and I try my best to, uh, to extinguish them. And you know what? I reckon uh, sandwich boards and menu boards are the biggest culprits <laughs> of bad grammar ever in the history of mankind. Mm, I agree. Hey, uh, this podcast is a beauty. Uh, we have a terrific food poll we'll, uh, we'll uh, talk to you about later. It's called the pea and ham soup. Mm, or slop, as some people call it. Well, some people call it lots of things, trust me. And our guest is a man who's uh, been, uh, speaking of uh, cricket, mm. man who's been plying his trade for many years now, played uh, test cricket for Australia on a couple of occasions, uh, one-day internationals, T20s, and is now a very, very important part of the Melbourne Stars lineup. His name is Hilton Cartwright. He's a very funny guy. He, he likes his cooking, likes his coffee. In fact, you'd be surprised how much cricketers in general love their coffee. Yes, you'll find out about the cricket uh, uh, coffee culture. You'll find about uh, out about a Perth <laughs> a pastry delicacy mm. uh, and you'll find out about his, his cricketing prowess and his kitchen prowess. Mm. And how he got his name, Hilton. Exactly, yes. Mm. Hilton Cartwright, he's our guest. Enjoy. You're listening to Food Bites. Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Hilton, look, we're, we're all very familiar with your, your cricketing uh, prowess, but tell us um, how's your prowess in the kitchen? Oh, um, I'm a great sous chef and a great dish pig. So <laughs> I'm, I'm very good at helping out, chopping up the veggies and getting the pots and pans ready for my wife. Um, but she's certainly in control of what's made, how it's made, and then um, I'm left with the majority of the mess afterwards and I'm very good at cleaning up. So my actual skills of cooking aren't great, but I know how to, I know my way around the kitchen. <laughs> well, that is a very important job being <laughs> a sous chef and being a dish pig. I can attest to that because <laughs> somebody's got to do it. But if you're left to your own <laughs> devices, Hilton, and, and you have to, to knock something together at short notice, uh, what kind of stuff can you, can you cook? Uh, my my favourite thing to cook is actually uh, the Spanish dish. I think it's Spanish, if I don't get that wrong, a, a paella or a paella. A chorizo and prawn paella is my favourite thing to cook, but I'm a pretty typical male in the sense that I'll just cook a steak most nights and um, I'll be pretty pleased with that. 
Oh, look, a paella is pretty impressive. I was going to say, that's very impressive, a paella. I'm not good on rice and, and pasta and stuff, so obviously you're good at, you're that, at that part of it, are you? Yeah, I, I think I am. I, I found a recipe very early on when I was in my single days, mm. um, and when I ate it at a restaurant, I thought, you know what, bugger this, I've got to find a way to make this at home because this is too delicious to only eat out. And I found a nice recipe through, I think it was through Pinterest, uh, worked away. I probably got it wrong fifteen to twenty times, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually, yeah, eventually got it right, and um, now it's a staple in the household. Uh, the good thing about paella is you can leave it in the pan for a while and get a nice, uh, crispy, crunchy bottom on it. That's what they. Yeah, I think that's the that when you when you get that right, that crispy rice bottom. I think that's the. the <laughs> Hang the, on the, a minute. The desire. Hang on a minute. That just means you burnt it and you can get away with no. it. It just means. No, you, it, it's an actual thing. You yeah. can hear the you can hear the rice crisping away, and it's, listen, yeah, it absolutely was an excuse the first ten times I did it. It's abs- absolutely <laughs> true. Absolutely true. Uh, are you a fussy eater, Hilton? Are you a big eater? Uh, I wouldn't say a, a, I know a lot of guys can put away some food in the team. I'm certainly not one of them, but I, I eat everything and anything. I'm not a fussy eater whatsoever. <laughs> Whatever gets dished up, I'll be I'll be happy with it. You know what, Hilton? When we talk to our AFL players, the common theme is that they are they're not just coffee lovers. They're all quite um, you know they're very particular about their coffee. They're coffee snobs basically, yeah. and they sit around having lattes. Does that um, same thing happen in the Melbourne Stars camp or in the BBL or in cricket in general? Are you all um, you know people who love their coffee? We we are we are coffee fiends. I mean, especially when we're playing the longer format, when you're sitting around your mates, you're there for six to eight hours of the day. There's a coffee machine in the in the room next door. Some guys I know, Corey Rocachelli back at in with the Whackers. He brings his own coffee beans in. He tries out different styles every game. He brings a new coffee machine in every couple of games. So we, I'm certainly a coffee snob. I like to find the best coffee around wherever I'm staying. Um, but in saying that, if the coffee is no good, I won't turn my nose up at it. I'll still plough through and I'll still drink it. Whereas I know some guys will just spin it and try to find another good, good coffee somewhere else. Now, a bit of controversy here. You, you're Perth boy, basically. I mean, I know you're born in Zimbabwe, but you're Perth boy. You're now living in Melbourne playing with the stars. Where's the best coffee, Perth or mm. Melbourne? Uh, oh, that's, <laughs> um, uh, it's hard to say no to <laughs> Melbourne coffee. I think, I think Melbourne coffee is in general much better. I think you can go to your local place on the corner and they'll serve exceptional coffee. Whereas in Perth, you sort of have to do a little bit of digging. Your local might not be that good, but Perth certainly got some excellent coffee. But if you just go to your local down the road in Perth, chances are it might not be that good. Whereas in Melbourne, you can basically duck into, I mean, we're on Chapel Street. You can duck into any coffee store along there and you know you're going to get A-grade coffee. Yeah. So just how serious are you, though, Hilton, if a uh, push came to shove and instant coffee like your Nescafe 43 Bean Instant was the only thing available, would you have that? Yep, yep. I'm diving headfirst into it, absolutely. <laughs> I love I just, I love the caffeine hit. I mean, even during during games, um, so last night, obviously, we batted second. Um, a ca- using caffeine as a bit of a performance enhancer, so I'll, see, I'll get downstairs <laughs> after being on the field and I'll walk straight over to Blend 43 in the corner. We've got a big mug of a huge one of those industrial size tins of Blend 43. I'll grab one of those, get some hot water out of the flask and roll up the top with my nice strong cup of Blend 43 and sit on the sidelines before I bat. 
Now, do you do you have anything with it? I mean, are you a Bickies man? Are you a cake man? Are you uh, what what uh, what what's a sweet tooth uh, that to get you? Oh, sweet tooth for me in Perth. They make these. Um, they're called cinnamon scrolls. They're not too popular over east. Um, I know, I'll give a shout out to North Street Store because they make the best. My favourite treat in the world is a cinnamon scroll. Um, or, or if, if I if I'm going to go something else, I'd probably go something like an almond croissant. is is also a, a, a huge hit for me when I'm having my morning coffee. If I feel like treating myself. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they both go perfectly with a with a coffee, <laughs> don't they? Yeah. Is there anything, yeah, yeah. Is there anything you won't eat, Hilton? Is it? Do you draw the line at any particular <laughs> thing? Uh, yes, there's a huge line in the sand <laughs> where um, when coriander starts oh. invading my food, that is where I will wholeheartedly. Put a huge line in the sand and say the meal's done for me. Coriander is an absolute no-no. <laughs> it does. It infiltrates yeah, everything, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the only thing I just. I mean, if I if I'm at someone's house, I'll politely stomach mm. and stomach it and get along with it. But if if I'm out to dinner, specifically Thai, a lot of Thai restaurants or you know they they love having fresh coriander on top of their food or in their spring rolls. I specifically have to ask the waitress ladies or, or whoever's working there, can you remove the coriander? Because if they can't, I just won't go near it. I'll have to go somewhere else or I'll have to order a different dish. Nice. Hilton, can you pretty much, given you're an elite uh, cricketer and you expend a lot of energy, can you pretty much eat what you want or are you fairly disciplined? I'd like to say I can eat what I want, but I think big bash time when you're eating out every night, it's, it catches up with you pretty quickly. I know it does for me. Um, and I think other guys, it can be a lot worse. But I'll, I'll generally speaking, um, try and make a meal in the in our hotel room three to four times a week if I can, because I know if I'm eating out constantly, uh, you actually not you don't feel that great because you don't get the the fresh, healthy veggies you're used to cooking at home. And I think that's the biggest difference: the food, the meat, and everything. You can always buy nice meat and, and treat yourself that way. Um, but I think it's generally the um, the fruit and veg that suffers when guys go on tour. And, I, and, I, and I, I've certainly fallen victim to that in the past. Do you eat differently for the different forms of the game? I know that sounds like a bizarre question, but the the actual uh, the explosive nature of T20 cricket is really different to, you know, sitting around, as you mentioned, uh, in the change rooms during a, a Shield game or a Test match, and you played a couple of those. Uh, do you eat differently yeah, for different I, forms of the game? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I can't account for everyone else, but I certainly do. In, in 2020 cricket, I generally try to eat quite light because it's such a fast-paced game. You're not out there for that long, so you you don't feel like you need to have huge energy stores, whereas if I'm playing a four-day game, we've just been fielding for 150 overs, I'll go down to the local Italian joint and I'll go a pizza past the combo just because I know I've put a lot of work in and I know I'm going to need the energy going forward, but if I had a pizza and pasta for, for dinner and the night before a big bash game, I'd feel slow and sluggish, and I'd, I'd I'd feel like I've got lead boots on when I'm running around the field. Yeah. <laughs> You're just talking, Kevin, about the uh, the difference of uh, formats, the different types of uh, cricket games that there are. But the big bash, I mean, there's really nothing quite like it, is there, Hilton? In terms of the uh, the crowd interaction and and the the energy. I mean, how pumped up do you get? Oh, it's it's actually this year especially has made I think a lot of people realise how how amazing the big bash is purely because. The last two years, we've had some small crowds due through through COVID, but I mean, we we're actually talking about this after the game last night. The derby that we had at the G, we had forty thousand people there, and that was actually electric to play in front of. I haven't played, I don't think I've ever played in front of that many people at the G before. 
and it was it was actually amazing to be able to be in that out in the field out in the G the crowds going ballistic the whole night and it's just it, it it is it's a spectacle and and being part of it is just it's 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 amazing can you hear anything out there in one of those uh, you know when you play the renegades in one of those derbies can you hear anything on the <laughs> when you're out in the ground as in from like from from your teammates yeah, or like the, just, cap, the captain's no, trying to move no. you around from fine leg around a little a little towards a, you know and you're you're not hearing no. a thing not not at all. You, you, you pretty much you almost need to learn sign language when you're out there. You got the you got the skipper Adam Zampi. He's waving his arms around. He points his one arm left and then rotates his wrist inwards to say "come in" a bit. Um, even last night, we only I think we had about I'm going to take a stab in the dark here and say fifteen thousand. And I'd be at cover and someone would be at point and we'd be yelling at each other and you can't understand it. You just have to use hand signals. That's how that's how loud fifteen thousand people is, let alone forty. Yeah. That's uh, that's amazing. Have, have you have you uh, sort of decided in your own head where, where your cricket future lies? Uh, which, which format of the game you're going to continue to play more than others? I, I think considering the longevity of people's careers now, it's hard to say that being able to play four day cricket up to the age of forty that we so, so we obviously see a lot of people in their forties or up to their forties playing a lot of twenty twenty cricket. And that's just generally the trend because it's much easier on your body. So I'd be lying if I said I'd love to play, sorry, I'd love to play four day cricket as long as I possibly can. But I think my body just won't be able to handle playing four day cricket up to the age of, of 40, just knowing how injury prone I've been in the past. So I mean, personally, I'd love to, but I think 2020 cricket eventually is going to, is going to be the only thing I'll, I'll end up playing back into my career. It's just so much easier on your body. And, and there's a lot less travel involved, and uh, I think that that's just the way that the, the cricketing format's going. Maybe if you didn't throw yourself around the field the way you do <laughs> and pretend like you're on a trampoline base and that it's actually a hard ground that you keep jumping six yeah. feet in the air up and landing on. <laughs> that's, that's the best part about it. You've got a big paddock you can run around and you can stop big boundaries. You can. We saw Big Bo Webster last night, t- took a couple of nice catches and, I love that about cricket, especially when you've got a crowd, you've got some atmosphere. When you do take a hanger like that or you get a run out or whatever it may be, you just get a little little extra bit of adrenaline on top of what you already have from, from being buzzing in front of 40,000 people. Yeah. Hey, Hilton, this is a question from Leftfield. It's a bit random, but I thought I'd ask you because I think you're possibly the first um, Hilton I've ever really spoken to. You don't oh, okay. hear Hilton as a Christian name terribly often. I wondered if there was any story behind your uh, your first name. I, I might be doing the story I'll, I'll probably, I'm probably, sorry, I probably won't be doing the story justice, but my old man, um, he named me after so I obviously grew up in Zimbabwe and there was a famous hunter on who used to live on our land named Hilton and that's why I'm now called Hilton. I, I don't know the story behind the hunter. I don't know how good he was. <laughs> It was obviously famous enough, and and that's that's the reason why my old band went with, or my parents went with went went with Hilton. Now, when you've got a first name like Hilton and a second name like Cartwright, how do you get a nickname like Frillneck? <laughs> oh, man, if you saw me in the flesh and you saw how wide my neck is, you you. <laughs> You'll put two and two together pretty quickly. <laughs> I would have thought there would have been some sort of uh, Ponderosa, Cartwright, Hoss, uh, you know, Little Joe, or so something from the uh, from the uh, Bonanza, Bonanza days, days yeah. coming in there. Yeah, a few people have called me. Few people have called me Hoss Cartwright quite a few times. I've, oh. I've got that from um, from a few people, but um, the one that seemed to stuck the most is either just neck or frill neck. 
doesn't, doesn't sort of roll off the tongue that easily, really, does it? No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. And early on when I first started getting caught, I, I, I actually hated it, which, as you mates do, if you hate your nickname, you mates start calling you that a bit all more. All the time, so it's correct. Just, yep. It just stuck like glue straight away because I hated it. And now actually, I enjoy it now because it's a, it's a good piece of conversation with someone. When you look back on on your career in you know, 10, 15 years' time, whenever it is uh, you hang the boots up and decide not to continue, will, will the test matches, the two test matches you play, be be you know a really, really special part, the, the day you got your baggy green? Yeah, absolutely. I, I even look look at that um, currently um, in the present. I still think back about those moments. Whenever you see – I'm sure everyone in, in Australian cricket past um, and present will, when they see someone receive their baggy green, they – they have that little butterfly feeling of when they were standing on their of, of the warm up of their first test match, and I remember it vividly when Tom Moody looked me in the eye and shook my hand and handed me my bag of green. And I don't think that'll ever change, whether it's a year from now or twenty five years from now. And um, I certainly look back on those two tests. Obviously, would love to play more, um, but the, I, I cherish those memories um, very close to my heart. Yep. Hey, Hilton, if you were deciding to cook up a really big serve of paella one night and you could invite anyone around to your house <laughs> to partake in it, dead or alive, who'd be on your dream dinner guest list? John T. Rhodes, number one. Oh, my wife, sorry, my wife, number one. Of course. Um, <laughs> oh, geez, you got out of that quick. <laughs> nicely played, nicely played. <laughs> He's hysterical, John T. Rhodes. He's, he is absolutely hysterical. I never realised that having watched him play for so many years. Yeah, and he and, and he's been my idol ever since. I mean, I used to I used to play cricket for the fielding. I used to just love, which reflects my my game now because I love fielding so much. But yeah, I used does. to watch him. Obviously, growing up in Africa, we didn't have that many good fielders. Um, the Flower Brothers were very good, but in terms of Zimbabwe cricket, we didn't have the greatest fielding fielding team. So I used to follow Jonty, and obviously Australians said that Ricky Ponting was the greatest fielder, and that was the sort of rivalry I, I always used to. Um, compare things to. So I'd certainly have Jonty on my table. Outside of that, I think I just like to have family, to be honest. Over the last couple of years, it's really made you feel like having your whole family together at, at one moment. It's a, actually a lot harder to, to have than, than, you, than a lot of people have realised, I think. Are you uh, enjoying Melbourne lifestyle? I, I love Melbourne. I don't like Melbourne so much when the weather's poor, but I think <laughs> that's, that's just me in general. Even when the weather's poor in Perth, I don't enjoy Perth. But when the weather's nice, go for beautiful coffee as we spoke about earlier they're basically my number one and number two and um every now and again we get to go down to the beach and enjoy some time in the sun there and 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 get some salt water in your hair is uh, are the things i love doing and melbourne ticks all those boxes for me it's the best time of year in in the middle of the summer so um i, I absolutely love it over here and um everywhere you go whether it's a cafe at nine o'clock in the morning or a Monday night dinner, you know there's going to be a nice vibe and atmosphere at the restaurants or cafes you visit and that's what is a real treat when you're in Melbourne at this time of year. Mind you, you touched on the weather there. In Melbourne, I don't know why, as a Melbourneian, we, we get such a terrible reputation for uh, for rain and bad weather and then look what happened up at the uh, the Sydney Test, just gone, and they have a go at Melbourne Sid- for our weather. Yeah, yeah, it's it's such a cliche. Sydney <laughs> State, they've got all the beaches, they've got the weather, they think they – think, Everything they've got is the best, and then the test match rolls around, and almost every year there's a day day off of rain. 
Yeah. Almost every year. Yep. You're, you're <laughs> fast becoming a Melbourneian, yeah. I can tell. The way you're defending <laughs> Melbourne's weather, goodness me. Hey, Hilton, thanks so much for your time, mate. Good luck uh, to you personally and to, and to the stars for the rest of the BBL season. We look forward to watching uh, plenty more of you throwing yourself around in the field <laughs> in the future, mate. Uh, pleasure to catch up. Thank you. All good. Thanks for having me, guys. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. So now you know how yeah. he got his name, Hilton. Uh, and uh, his nickname, Frillneck. <laughs> I love how he just laughs that off yeah. too. <laughs> you saw the size of my neck. He's um, a pretty easygoing kind of dude, isn't yeah, he, he is really? Actually. Yeah, very good. And uh, he's a terrific cricketer. He Absolutely. really is a very good cricketer. One of the best fieldsmen going around uh, in the in the, in the the Big Bash in any form of cricket, actually. <laughs> it's funny, yeah, uh, he mentioned uh, his uh, his cricket colleague uh, being uh, Corey Roccicelli, how he absolutely loves his coffee, to the point which um, we, we found out just uh, by chance that Corey <laughs> – uh, sometimes borrows his uh, teammates' bats, and uh, when he's out there, he uh, he names the bats after his favourite coffee shop. Which would make you wonder when they come out when you break a bat and they bring out seven different yeah. bats for you to choose your next bat. If you go, no, I don't want the latte. I'll have the cappuccino. Yeah. Uh, and he names them after coffee, coffee places shops, yeah. as well. So yeah. they'd be the you know, the Starbucks. Give me this. Bring the Starbucks, Starbucks out or the. Uh, yeah, the, he's hardcore, seriously yeah. into his coffee. Yeah. Love it. That's weird. All right, our food poll. Are you ready for this one? I don't know why this reared its head. Um, I was thinking of Dr. Seuss. I think when I came up with this, <laughs> not green eggs, but green peas. Well, on the back of Christmas, it kind of fits. Yeah, you've got, you've got how ham. do you get rid of your ham? Yeah, exactly. Pea and ham soup. Is it a yay or a nay? It's all a right. for me. Uh, thank you so much for all the comments yeah, we got. Yeah, stacks of them. Silvana starts us off. She says she has never tried it. Terry Daniel says, I'll give it a tick. Bernie Britton says he loves it. Cherie Dodson says, yum. Artie Stevens, it's lovely grub. Good comfort food in a cold Melbourne winter. It's a bit of a theme, that. Uh, Joylene says, yum. Lisa Marie, are you crazy? No way, Jose. And somebody said, what somebody. does Jose... Somebody. <laughs> that was me. What does Hose B say? Yes. <laughs> Pete Tanowski said yay. <laughs> Rebecca says, not even before I went vegan. Ugh, peas. Uh, Janet Clayton uh, from Cheeselinks says, uh, or formerly of Cheeselinks, a yay from me, Sarah. I make this soup right through the winter. We ah. love it. Glenn Rodder says, yay, Paddo, if there are no other choices. Uh, Lauren says, yep, has to be homemade, though. I won't abide that crap. Abide's now becoming a big <laughs> word in this. I won't abide that crap in a can. And taking up pantry space. <laughs> Nicole Gunn says, under no circumstances. Kim says, yay, I've never made it though. You must have a recipe for it somewhere, Pat. Oh. Have you got a recipe for pea and ham soup? No. No, good. <laughs> Simple enough say. for you. All I can say is good. Uh, Charlene Brown says, nay. Caroline says, the stench of my mum cooking it made me dry reach walking down the drive before oh. I even got to the front door. Oh. Had to hold my breath and run to my room. Horrendous stuff. The smell <laughs> is an abomination, <laughs> let alone the taste of the greasy garbage. It's almost Tell us what like you really wine, think, Caroline. Um, Linda says she loves it. Uh, Rennie says yum. Karen says that would be a nay. A bit like Crocodile Dundee says, tastes like... Something that starts with an S, but you can live on it. Yes. Uh, Annie <laughs> says yum. Sue Hosking, that's a pass for her. Now, potato and ham, well, that is a different matter. Yeah, yum. that sounds nice, actually. Yeah. Michelle says yes, please. One of my favourites in winter must be the Dutch in me. 
Davin Nicholas says, it is not my favourite soup, but it's a yay from me. Jimmy Wilson says, a big yes. Sam Newman says, it should almost be made mandatory by law. Oh, he likes it. And Annie Peacock agrees. She said, it's a favourite. Tony says, I'm with you, Kev. What did you say, Kevin? I don't like it. When I was a kid, you had to eat it. (laughs) Tony says, that said, my wife likes it. It's a favourite of hers during winter. Robert Moore says, Bond, James. No, that's Roger Moore. (laughs) Uh, Well done. Well, uh, yes, it's a big yes. When done well, it's a big yes. Gordon says, my mum would cook this in the crock pot. Uh, It would stink our house out for days. I hated it as a kid, but I love it now. Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, Tracy says, nay, anything that smells that bad (laughs) should not be digested. (laughs) Jen Manuel Noriega, okay. Absolute yay and no better way to use the leftover Christmas ham bone. Yep. Makes sense. Fishmore and Doolittle off the Twitter says no. Darren Hinch says yay. Steve Quartermain says in the middle of winter, a yes. Stephen Raidman says, as the nice Jewish boy I am, that would be a nay. Kate (laughs) Stevenson says that would be a nay. Steve Wood says hell no. Old Crokey says, look, it mightn't rate as the best looking dish in a glossy cookbook photograph, but on a miserable cold and wet day, there's no better soup to lift one's spirits. And Jane Barnes says, oh, yay, anytime. Annie Brazen Hussey from uh, Twitter says, I could reach in and have some right now and making chicken noodle as it's a cooler weather day today. Blimey, we got a lot of responses. Ian says, most definitely yes, in my top five dishes, in fact. I make it maybe ten times per year in a big pot and it lasts four or five days each time. Merv Hughes says, no. Steve Bastoni (laughs) He makes me laugh. Yeah, he does. Me too. He says, yummo, but it's hard on the guts. Um, (laughs) Let's be nice off Twitter says, it gives me gas. Moontan59, plonk a meat pie in the middle of it and it's heaven. Yeah. (laughs) Now, Wayne says, let me start by saying I'm a pea lover. Raw, straight out of the pod is my favourite and this used to cause my grandma no end of trauma when I was a little one and very few that I picked made it into the bowl I was carrying. (laughs) But this is a complete waste of the tiny green ord of superbness. Pea and ham soup is beyond disgusting. I mean, just look at that picture. Even Ray (laughs) Charles would see that it's an unappetising plate of prison-grade slop. (laughs) (laughs) It is is a bit unappetising, yeah. Why people eat something that looks like the contents of a stomach retrieved during a post-mortem and has the consistency of something ejected from a calf's bottom when it's on a bad dose of scours is completely beyond me. I remember seeing a tin of this filth (laughs) labelled with the slogan, made with real pee. (laughs) All I remember thinking is that they spelt the last word wrong. That was the only time I've drawn any pleasure from this insipid grey food help. Mm. It does have a funny colour. Yeah, it is insipid. Yeah, yeah. it's a a good point. Uh, It's a resounding no from me. If only to fit to be fed to young girls before they are possessed by Satan, so they have something to spew at during the exorcism. Oh, that's a bit Linda Blairish, isn't it? I was going to say, been watching uh, that movie again. So it's a, it's a big no from Wayne, but it, surprisingly, uh, it's a split decision in terms of it. it is uh, it a split P decision? Oh. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Wayne is right about the insipid colour and I wonder whether it would be worth just putting a little bit of um, green uh, food dye Did into the Did you see the product. photo that Jane Barnes put up of uh, her? Oh, yeah, very nice. we'll share it, that on the it, page. It looked, it looked of yeah. most mo- Anything more Jane Barnes makes yeah. would look She's appetising. She's such yes. a show off, that Jane <laughs> Barnes. Um, it was 51.49. Oh, four. gee, that's close. Four. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it was actually more more in favour of pea and ham soup than against it, which really surprised me. I'd go pea soup without the ham. Oh, uh, no, no. Ham's too – it's too salty too. Mm. They're way too salty. Mm. But someone mentioned uh, which one of the responses we didn't use. Good way to uh, use the uh, the bone after, oh, yes. uh, after, after Christmas. Christmas. Just whack it in and do Gives a soup. It some flavour, I can yeah. understand that, but maybe not with the pea in it. Mm. There's mm. A very some ba- things just can't be. A understood. very bad two Ronnie's joke where they talk about doing mm. ham and pea soup and they put the ham in and then pea in it later. Um, <laughs> that sounds like the two Ronnie's. I put the ham in first and <laughs> pea in it later. Um, <laughs> And, but that and would have been Ronnie Barker. Yes, and it's good night from her and it's good night from me. Uh, that's all for Food Bites. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Hilton Cartwright. Uh, Thank you. We've got a terrific guest for you next week. Looking forward to that yeah. one. Food Bites with Sarah Patterson. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.